thank you, Brother Anthony, for for leading us so well. Um, we pray that God has accepted our worship of Him because it has been done in Jesus' name. If you've got your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. chapter 5 and today we'll be looking at verse from verse 15 to 16 verse 15 to 16 hear the word of God as it comes to you look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil let me finish the whole uh, section therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is verse 18 and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let us pray. Oh, dear God of heaven, we come before you once again this morning that we may receive blessings from above. Shower your blessings upon us as we open your word. We ask that you may speak to us uh, through your word, that your Holy Spirit may convict us of sin, that we may be convicted of areas in our lives that we need to improve and, we may be, and those who do not know you may believe in Jesus Christ today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, today we will be looking at wisdom. And the question that I want to ask you today from Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 to 16 is are you walking in wisdom are you walking as a wise person or as the apostle paul puts it are you foolish what does he mean what does he, what is he talking about well, first of all, for us to understand what he's talking about, we need to do a bit of rewinding. We need to go back to chapter 5, verse 1, and see what Paul has been talking about. And the first thing that we see there is that 
this con in this context Paul is talking about being imitators of God that the children of God are meant to be imitators of God for example if you are a child that belongs to a certain family the obvious expectation is for you to be imitators of your parents right one way or the other all you children who are here you imitate what your mother and your father do and other influences of course some people come up and imitate their teachers etc etc where people are supposed to be imitating those we look, we look up to so paul is saying if you're a child of god you must be an imitator of god as beloved children seek to be like god that's what he said simple you can't be saying i'm a christian i'm a christian but you are living like someone who is a resident of hell. That's a simple teaching that we see. And then he goes into specifics. From verse 3, he talks about sexual immorality. Upombwe. And all impurity and covetousness. Kuchiva. Zinjavanu. Must not even be named amongst you as children of God. As a child of God, I must not be in the business of covetousness. I must, this must not even be named amongst me. The moment it comes to me from my heart, I should cut it out there and there. So Paul continues these things and speaking about walking as children of light. And then he says, do not be partners with the world. One of the ways... To walk as a child of God is not to be partners with the world, to disassociate yourself with the world. In other words, to not do what the world does. To not hold hands in the mission of the world because the mission of the world is against God. The agenda of the world is to dethrone God. It has been the agenda of the world since Genesis. To dethrone God. Remember Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. They said, Let us build a tower to get to God. And we are told in the Word of God that God came to inspect what they were doing and scattered them. And he continues this thought process <coughs> to say, not only are you to disassociate with the world, you are not to take part in the works of the world. But what are you supposed to do? Instead, expose them by speech and by action, by proclamation. We are to preach the gospel. But not only are we to preach the gospel, not only are we to call out sin and to call out evil, we are to live an exemplary life as children of God. Children of God are meant to be examples. We, we are meant to be a light on a hill. 
salt of the earth. We are to be people who, when we associate with people, people are supposed to ask themselves, now what is different about this woman? What makes this man different? Not only what you say, but what you do. Your life should be uniform. It should be consistent with your proclamation. It should be consistent with your confession of faith. If you say you're a Christian, then show us in your works. There's so many people nowadays, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but their, their fruits are dead. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but it's rotten. And then, this is where we are now when the Apostle Paul, continuing his thought process, from verse 15 in chapter 5 where he's saying look carefully how you walk this is how I'm going to break up this passage I'm going to show us the base to live wisely what is the basis why should we live wisely and then the second thing is the imperative or the command to live wisely. And then underneath that, I want us to see specific areas that Paul wants us to address, particularly time and holiness. Time and holiness, and we'll be done with our sermon today. Let me read the sermon again. Sorry, the text again, and get into the passage look carefully then how you walk please look with me in the scriptures so that we read together and you don't say pastor you're reading your own things look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil first of all i want us to see the base to live wisely the foundation see the base of what paul is saying about living wisely or walking wisely or as the king james version puts it walking circumspectly is that first of all someone must take heed that is the phrase there that is that he that he puts in verse 15 look carefully be intent one must be watchful one must take heed of their life one must be alert like a soldier in the trenches of unknown territory one must be like an alert like an unsuspecting frog that has a snake behind it i want i want us to see that that's a that's the picture that Paul is painting. Like those farmers who prepare for the rains. Like those people who prepare for exams, students. You are looking intently. You are watching. You are taking heed. And it's so funny, friends, that we know the seasons and the rain. We prepare so much for the rain, but we cannot understand 
the times that we are living. We don't. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 54 to 56, when he was addressing the crowds. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat and it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the, the, the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Why are you not alert? Why are you not watchful over your life? On the importance of watching how you live as a Christian, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4:16. He says, Keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and the hearers. And friends, there are so many people who think that there is no requirement for the Christian to watch how they are walking. Paul sets the base. Before he even goes to the walking, he says, pay attention. Take heed, be watchful of how you're walking. And when he's saying, be careful or look carefully on how you're walking, the walking there is not talking about kufamba, just casually walking. It's a metaphor to explain something deeper. He's saying, look carefully then how you live. Because your living on earth has an eternal bearing. Our living on earth is not divorced from what is going to happen in eternity. If you live like someone who's a, a resident of hell, then you will go to hell. <laughs> If you live like someone who is heavenly minded, who is in Christ, who hates sin, you're going to heaven. But I want us to see in verse 15b, the imperative or the command to live wisely. Look at the text. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Paul is exhorting the believers then and exhorting the believers now to live as people who are wise. To live in wisdom. To live wisely. And the word wisdom denotes a practical skill that one has to live rightly. One has to live a successful life. I'll explain that as outlined in the scripture. Friends, you can be rich and successful, but it doesn't mean that you have wisdom. Wisdom comes from the scriptures. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from knowing God. 
And when you know God, you can in turn apply wisdom to your life. Think about this. Are the people that society worships wise? Have you ever thought about it? For example, pimps or people who sell women or have got multiple women. The society worships them. The society says, these are the people to look up to. And they say, wow, you look at someone like Ginimbi who died a devastating death. Where was he coming from? Where was he going? He was coming from partying all night. Living in sin. And these people are like, R.I.P. You're going to heaven. R.I.P. Was he wise in his life? What about people who speak against women? Like Shadaya. People worship Shadaya night. Wisdom. Wisdom. And he's busy speaking garbage. That's got nothing to do with the word of God. Nothing to do with the wisdom that comes from God. What about thieves and robbers? You know, some, some of the movies that we glorify, all those people that people worship, are they wise? Or even the movies, think about the rationale behind some of the movies. And guess what? The bad guy is the good guy. People are like, wow, I just want to be like Schofield. Prison break, prison break. <laughs> but think about that I want us to think together and the truth is we encourage an environment for fools and foolishness Paul, that's what Paul is saying he saying you must walk as wise not as the unwise. And one of the other things that we encourage this foolishness, we worship it. Now what is wisdom? The dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to judge what is true, right or lasting. Knowledge on the other hand, is what we gain through experience. But wisdom is the ability. So, where will you get the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong if you don't have the scriptures? You're in darkness. It's useless. What about wisdom in the Bible? Do you know that in the Bible there's what we call wisdom literature? Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. This is wisdom literature. It's to equip you in the ways of wisdom to live a life that is wise. That's why when the Proverbs says, when the Proverbs say, you know, to the young men, do not follow 
the immoral adulterous. It's equipping you to be wise so that you make an informed decision. Let me read some scriptures. James chapter 1 verse 5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. James 3 verse 17 But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Proverbs 3, 13 verse 8 to 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her parts are peace. Scripture teaches us what is wisdom. I see people quoting Mahatma Gandhi. I see people quoting Nelson Mandela. Well, I wouldn't say that they are wrong to quote them. Because some of these things we were forced to quote in school, right? If you did not quote Hitler or did not quote, you would fail, right? But all those men, their wisdom falls short from the Bible. The wisdom that you find in here will enable you to live. If you find salvation in Jesus Christ, you will live forever in heaven. And salvation in Jesus Christ is only found in the scriptures. There's no other book, whether it's Wilbur Smith, whether it's all these famous authors, as these people like. Their books are entertaining, their books are nice. And oh well, good stories. But the scriptures, are infallible. They are inerrant. They are all powerful, authoritative, supernatural, divine. And the words in this book will save you. From a whole lot of pain, from a whole lot of trouble, even as we're singing that song, years I spent in vanity and pride. I thought to myself of the days when I was not a Christian. And I said, oh, what a wastage of time that was. And some of you this morning are wasting time. You are in that vanity and pride. You are living in sin. But friends, I want you to notice something, the context. Paul is not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to Christians. That's the context. 
He's saying to Christians, you must walk not as the unwise, but as those who have already attained wisdom. Continue to apply that wisdom to your life. Continue to live as those who are children of God. There's a difference. Non-believers have not yet acquired wisdom. Let me say that again. I don't care what doctorate you have. You can be a seminary professor, but still be going to hell because you do not know Christ. You, this wisdom that is being spoken about is not wisdom that we gain from all these institutions. No. It's wisdom in the ways of the Lord. says you must live wisely in all of life think about it in all of life first of all in how you take care of your home have you ever thought about taking care of your home in wisdom wisdom to be diligent sweeping the house Cleaning wisdom in how you view money. How do I use my money? Should I be buying my kids toys that do not glorify God? Or should should my children be watching these cartoons that are swearing? But all that wisdom comes from the scriptures. And if the Bible is closed, we will not be wise, friends. Our, the word of God should be open daily in our homes. Seeking to understand, to know, to grow in the Lord. I want us to see two areas. That Paul wants us to walk wisely in and to watch our lives. The first area is time. Look at verse 16a. I'll read from verse 15 again. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. That's the first one. Time or time. I don't think Christians think thoroughly about time. What is time? Paul is saying making use of the making use of the time. In other translation it says redeeming the time the idea is to someone who goes to the market and buys you're going somewhere to buy the time in other words what he's saying in our own language is that there is no time so you must make time Before it's lost. Because the days are evil. 
must be trembling, friends, at how we think about time. The Ephesians will probably use most of their time worshipping idols in drunkenness. There's some people who wake up, smoke, you know, drink, go and play PlayStation, buy some bread, go back home, smoke, drink, play PlayStation, watch porn. That's, that's the life of some people. It's a wastage of time. In fact, that's using time for evil. Some people who spend their lives in drunkenness. There's some people who spend their lives chasing money and that's all they do. There's no value to their life because they're always chasing vanity. Paul is saying, making use of the time. And I want, to, I want you to understand this. This context is talking about Christians. And if Christians ought to glorify God, then God should be occupying their time. So in other words, we should have a theology of time. God should occupy it. So whatever we do should be aimed at God. I want you to... So even in our sleep, we are worshipping God. It's time to rest. Rest. There's some people who feel like if they're resting, they're sinning. They work so hard and they're toiling so hard that they've got no time to rest. When it's time to rest, rest. When it's time to work, work. When it's time to go to church, go to church. Don't waste time. And friends, I am convinced that even the most strictest people on time who are on a strict schedule, if they are outside of Christ, they are wasting time. It's a time wastage. I don't care how early you are and how to the T you are with time management. If it is outside of Christ, it is time wastage. You're wasting time. You're not making the best use of the time. Paul is saying, Give yourselves to God in your time. How does that make us think about all these people who are schedule-oriented but are outside of Christ? It's all for vanity, right? Where will their time go? One, one way to counter this is to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing when we're doing For example, let me bring it home, okay? I'm not here to attack anyone, but I want, let me bring it home. First area, church start time. Okay? 
We say church starts at 10. If we are 40 minutes late, we have wasted 40 minutes of eternity. If we say it is time to have a Bible study and we start at 6.30 and people come at 7.30, it's an hour wasted. We live in a place in a country say, oh, ah, in Zimbabwe, those are excuses. Those are excuses that should be thrown back to the hell they came from. We, we, must, we must have a robust theology of time. We must tremble because, friends, we, all of us, have a death date written on our foreheads, an invisible one. Anthony, you're going to die sometime, brother. And God knows when you're going to die. I thought about that this morning. Not, not this morning, the other morning. To say, I have a death date. I have a death date. God has written a, a death date on my head. Best before. should change the way I live. But sadly, friends, it's not the case, right? We waste time. We don't make the day, we don't make much of the day much of the hours that God has given us. Even in our discussions, we must not waste time. Let us, let's have a building, prudent, thought-through conversations which are not time-wasting. What about our, let's move from church and go to our practical, personal lives. What about surfing the internet when we don't need to? Just scrolling. Okay, let's see. All right. Are you, are you responding to a message? Are you sending a message? Is there any construction you are doing? Part of our time is lost in that, right? A lot of... Think about it when you first wake up in the morning. If you're somebody who's, who, 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 who does not wake up and, and read your, the word and pray, you're, you're probably on your phone and you spend two hours on your phone before you can do anything. Because you're checking your email, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, scrolling, scrolling. Each and every one of us needs God's grace in that. What about being too lazy and playful when it's time for work? It's time for work. It's time to be serious. You are playing, stealing money from your boss. What about using work time to advance your own dealings? You're supposed to be working, but you are stealing your boss, 
boss's time and you are doing your own side deals. That is stealing, wasting time. What about last last example? Last example before we move on. Living in sin. Do you know that sin costs time? Let me give you an example. All these young men in university. Uh, I want to chase a woman. Do you projects? I don't mind projects. You can spend your four years in varsity having heard nothing in the class but excelling in wasting time. Maybe four pregnant women, maybe three bouts of HPV, whatever it is. You fail to graduate. Your parents are not happy with you. You are chased out of home. You end up on the streets. Time wastage. But secondly, <laughs> this sermon might be long, but I'll cut it. The Apostle Paul wants us to, to watch our lives through holiness. First of all, time, now it's holiness. Look at how he puts it. He says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. What is the opposite of evil? Holiness. So if the days are evil, what should the Christian be doing? Friends, this is practical Christianity. This is easy. Even infants can understand. If the world is evil, if the system of the world is against God, what should the Christian doing? Living a holy life. What is holiness? Holiness is a life set apart. It's not, holiness is not perfection. That is false teaching. No one is perfect. You cannot be perfect. Even in your perfection, you will you, be sinning. Because <laughs> you, you're a sinner. You're fallen. But holiness comes as a result of a relationship with God through Christ. And the fruit of salvation enables you through the Holy Spirit to live a life apart. That is holiness. You are set apart from the world. You are set apart from evil. So Paul is saying, making the best use of the time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So when people are doing all sorts of ungodly things, you are meant to be redeeming the time. And doing the opposite. Look at what John Gill says. He says, as such are in which iniquity abounds and many wicked men live and errors and heresies prevails 
are and are the days of affliction or persecution. He's just describing the world. Munika prevails evil. This means that the world that we live in is evil and the people are against God. So, if the world is evil, which means that the day will be filled with evil. If you don't believe me, switch on your phone. <laughs> if you don't believe me that the world is evil, switch on your phone. If you don't believe me that the world is evil, take a stroll into town. Just walk around, observe people, sit down. If you want binoculars, we can look for some. Observe. And the days that are evil, what a challenge to us, Christians. It's hard, huh? It's hard. It's not easy. What a challenge to us as Christians. I, I, I feel like a like a football coach or a rugby coach saying to people, let's go. Let's go. Let's shine the light of Christ. If you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, go out there and shine. In a world where everyone is smoking dacha, and they associate dreadlocks with Dach. My brother, you with your dreadlocks, they'll see a different man and say, Ah, Rasta, they forgot you won't obey me. They forgot you won't obey me. Rasta, they forgot And friends, I want us to note. That the reason to redeem the time is because the days are evil and also the days are evil so we must redeem the time by living a life contrary to what we see in the world. Let me give examples, right? Let me give it home, bring it home. What does it mean to live a holy life in a world that is evil. First of all, the Christians should love one another. Why am I saying that? The world hates each other. The world promotes hatred. Even if it's the name of love, it is still hate. Because it's against God. God is the true definition of love. Listen to um, John 13, 35. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must also love one another. By this, excuse me, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Christians, how are we doing in terms of loving one another? How are we doing in terms of being the example that Christ loved his brothers? 
Have you called your brother or sister this week? Here's the example. If you find out how are you doing? What are you reading? How are you praying? What's happening in your life? Or is it like the world? False love. Fake love. Hatred. Hypocrisy. Slander. Gossip. What about this, friends? When, there's a, when you hear that there's a tragedy in a sister's life, or a brother's life. Do you live life as if nothing happened? Munatsura nemba. Munauno ziva. Let's say maybe my tomb watsura nemba. I just relax. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to pray for you. That's all. Nothing. No relief. No help. <laughs> That's one way we can show that we are, we are set apart. And love is costly. It only takes one who is in Christ. And friends, the spirit of lack of compassion that has crept into the church is vile. It's worldliness. I'm telling you now, the church today is steeped in worldliness. Because we are not following the pattern of the Bible in terms of compassion and loving one another. Paul is saying you can redeem the time by loving your, your brethren. The world is cold, it's angry, there's strife, there's jealousy, there's slander, and gossip prevails. You can redeem the time by loving one another. Let me give another example. <laughs> what about personal evangelism? COVID-19 came. People hid in their homes. It was now a frenzy of church online, stay home, save lives. And do you know what happened? No evangelism. When I'm talking about evangelism, I'm not talking about, okay, Felix, uh, Anthony, let's put on our satchels, take some Bibles, let's go and evangelize. I'm talking about personal witnessing one-on-one. -on -one. That's what I'm talking about. At work, at school. That woman who's selling on the streets, have you told her about Christ? Have, does she know that you're a Christian? Does she know that this is what you do? And many Christians today, friends, live like practical atheists. Because they are not evangelizing. Atheists believe there's no God. So we too as Christians live like there's no God because we are not evangelizing. We're not telling people about the gospel. We're not telling people about this great God who in eternity past 
planned the salvation of those that the Father planned. And Christ came in time and died for those. And the Holy Spirit applies redemption. And we are saved from sin. We, we, we are able to be made alive in Christ. And that is salvation in no other name but Christ Jesus. And friends, when was the last time you did personal evangelism? I'm not talking about debates. We love to debate in a, in a, in a day and age of debates. Oh, I'm debating. Oh, I, I know dispensationalism. What about all the stuff? I'm talking about personal, persistent evangelism. You know that this person is not a Christian. Go to them and be persistent. May take a while, may take years. They may never be saved. But at least you're, you're doing what you commanded. You're redeeming the time. Because, friend, if you're not evangelizing, what are you doing? Why? <laughs> Why do Christians exist? One of the, one of the ways we, in evangelism we can redeem the time is to be busy inviting people to church. Friends, that's one area we need to grow Let's not be selfish with the gospel. Let's not think to ourselves, well, I'm fine. I'm on a highway to heaven on my A train. No. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded you. Lo and behold, I will be with you. Go and be my witnesses. Christ said, this is what you're supposed to do. I've given you time on this earth. You've got, a, you've got an hourglass that is going, my friend. Like I said earlier on, you've got a best before date. Each and every one of us here has got an invisible tombstone that awaits us. <laughs> Let's be serious. Friends, you may say, Pastor Joe here is mad today, but the truth is that's what the Word of God is teaching us. What about sharing sermons online, statuses, where when the church is doing something, no, no, friend, come and listen to the gospel, come and hear the message. And you, you want your brother to be saved, but you don't share sermons. You want your brother to be, you come to prayer meetings and say, ah, I, I want my, my mother to be saved. Are you sharing sermons? Are you sharing scriptures? Are you speaking to them about the gospel? What, what, what is the content of your conversation? You want your granny saved, but you don't share. How many relatives do you have in Harare but cannot persuade them to come to church on the Lord's Day? To come and sing sound songs, 
to pray fervently. How many relatives do you have within the square mile of where you live or, or whatever? And you never text them, you don't even know where they are. But they are here. They need the gospel. They need the gospel. They need the gospel. They don't need many things. Dare I say, they don't need your gift of money or food. They need you to love them through the gospel. Paul is saying, this is how you redeem time. Christians must be Christians. We, we, we're, not, we're not worldlings. The church is different. It's set apart. It's holy. It's the bride of Christ. We ought to be different. It's time, friends. We were Christians. <laughs> oh, that the Lord may be, may be gracious to us. What are the examples, friends? Many others. Many others. We can spend a whole day talking about redeeming the time because the days are evil. But I want you to think sometime today. What area in my life do I need to improve in terms of time? Maybe coming early to church, maybe going early to work, and maybe doing what you're supposed to do at the time you're supposed to do. Maybe cutting some people out of your life. Maybe cutting some, some actions out of your life. Take stock. After the gospel was preached, on that day, great day at Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, they asked the apostles, what shall we do? Verse 37. And Paul, sorry, Peter answered them and said, Be baptized, repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Friends, I can't point you to myself. I can't point you to being a good person. Only Jesus can help us redeem the time. Only Jesus can help us live wisely. Only Jesus can help us to live with fear and trembling. Only Jesus Christ. And friends, we do this every Sunday. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, and you know you're not a Christian, you know in your heart you don't know Christ Jesus. Repent and believe in him today. It's not too late. You have been given time. Remember, I said you've got a death date. An invisible death date. Best before. You've got an expiry date. You've got a tombstone waiting for you. You've got a gaping hole in the earth waiting to swallow you up. Where will your soul go? Don't waste time. 
quit wasting time. Stop it now. And say, Lord, if, I'm a, if you're a Christian, repent of your time wasting. If you are not a Christian, believe in Christ first. And then we can talk from there. <laughs> That's it. And even today we'll be looking at the Lord's table. Looking at the Lord's supper. It's a time for us to repent. And for some to make resolutions. Today. Amen.